Hi, my name is Kunal, and welcome to the Geeks of the Valley podcast, which connects with some of the brightest minds globally who are leading their respective industries today to discuss the hottest upcoming industry trends and how their work is affecting the global economy. This morning from the San Francisco Bay Area, we have the Senior Managing Director of Corporate Venturing and Open Innovations at Honda joining us. He leads Honda's global open innovation initiatives and strategic partnerships with startups. Before joining Honda, he worked in early stage venture capital, building bridges between technology upstarts in Silicon Valley and multinational corporations. Please welcome Dennis Clark. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Finally, we could, glad we could finally make this happen. And uh, same here. And how are things with you in uh, light of COVID? Uh, things are well. Um, you know, business is, is picking up. Obviously, automotive business is uh, doing extremely well. We're having some supply chain challenges, but, uh, um, you know, profits are up. Um, it's an exciting time to be in the mobility space. Amazing. And uh, when profits are up, everyone's happy, right? <laughs> yep, definitely. That being said, uh, let's uh, jump into the first question here, shall we? Tell me about yourself and your background and how it led you to the path of leading open innovation and corporate venturing for Honda. Sure. So uh, I originally grew up on the U.S. East Coast uh, and started my career in finance. I spent my 20s primarily uh, in Japan, uh, working in banking and finance. Uh, while I was there, I learned uh, the language, got some uh, deep uh, experience, obviously, in, in Japanese business culture. Um, and I had the opportunity to take a sabbatical a couple of years later uh, and complete my master's in economics uh, at a Japanese university. Uh, in 2007, I returned to the U.S. to take a junior role working for a boutique uh, venture capital firm investing in early stage companies uh, in the Valley. Um, there's of course a Japan connection here. So this firm was led by uh, one of the pioneers of venture capital in Japan. And many of the investors um, in our funds were large Japanese corporates. So of course my understanding of the Japanese language uh, and culture came in handy. Um, I worked in finance, but was really kind of unfamiliar with startups and the craft of venture capital when I started. In retrospect, this was a really eye-opening experience for me. Uh, in just a few years, I had the opportunity to observe and support the firm in uh, making some investments and even see a couple of exits from the existing portfolio in a relatively condensed uh, amount of time. What inspired me the most though about this uh, experience was seeing the speed at which technology was changing established industries and impacting uh, the large incumbents. Many of these were the corporate uh, LPs in our funds. Um, and this led me to get deeply interested in how to bridge the gap between startups and corporates and the change that was going on. Um, and it can't always be this kind of zero sum game um, or corporates just benefiting passively from investing in startups to do technology sensing uh, and see things that were happening outside of their control. Um, so I really got interested in kind of how to connect uh, on a deeper level what's happening uh, in the startup community um, with um, kind of the sustainability and the evolution of kind of large corporates. Um, this led me to the opportunity to work for Honda. Uh, so I joined Honda in 2012. 
to help stand up a systematic uh, open innovation initiative uh, for engaging with, collaborating with, and in some cases investing in early stage startups that were aligned with Honda's future strategy. And Dennis, you know, you've been working at Honda for quite a while now. How has, uh, in your opinion, the startup and venture ecosystem uh, changed since you uh, began your work there? Yeah, so uh, lots has changed. Uh, looking back, uh, as I mentioned, I, I joined Honda in, in 2012. Uh, to provide some context, the <clears throat> iPhone was four years old. Uh, the mobile revolution was in full swing. Um, at the time, though, uh, you know, venture capitalists and, and investors weren't that interested in automotive. Um, and the amount of corporate venture activity outside of kind of major technology companies was relatively low. Um, in just a few sh short years, though, technology and business model innovation from the mobile platforms, coupled with advancements that were happening in artificial intelligence, bled over to more traditional industries uh, like automotive. Um, and so this, all of a sudden, almost overnight, it felt like uh, automotive and mobility became a hot category uh, for financial VCs. Um, and lots of money started becoming, being invested in these uh, type of, of startups. And, and there were thousands, literally, that were created in a few years. Um, so in a short amount of time, automotive suppliers and manufacturers uh, like Honda began to proactively set up startup incubators and uh, venture teams uh, in the Valley and beyond. And this was just a, a cycle that created kind of more ambitious entrepreneurs targeting the space, uh, more financial investors that were motivated uh, to invest in them. Um, so fast forwarding to today, um, you know, corporate venture capital investment is at all time highs. Um, mobility is a, a huge category uh, for uh, investors and, and these days, primarily later stage. Um, and uh, both financial and strategic investors alike are not just investing in software businesses, but they're also investing significantly in more capital intense areas uh, like hardware and, and deep tech. Um, conversely, today, uh, the most traditional industries recognize that things like software and network effects are resetting the playing field in their industries. And they're starting to uh, invest in those areas as well. And this was certainly not the case uh, you know, five or 10 years ago. Uh, more recently, I think when we drill down and specifically talk about what's changed in uh, early stage startups and, and the mobility ecosystem, uh, the SPAC IPO has changed the game considerably. Um, and it's provided kind of much needed capital infusions from retail investors in the public markets into later stage um, mobility startups. And these were companies that many of which had tapped out growth stage VC and were not able to reach escape velocity for a traditional IPO, uh, primarily due to kind of lack of deployments or scale or even profitability. So the SPAC IPO has come along and given these early stage, these mid-stage, I would say, uh, mobility companies more runway to commercialize their technology. Uh, and in some cases, it's provided their investors a pathway to uh, an exit and financial return. So the question, I guess, remains, I think we all believe this back IPO is here to stay, um, but you know what it will look like and how it will hold up uh, over the long run is still an open question. 
So Dennis, I know when we were speaking earlier, um, we spoke about the Honda Innovations operating model and this new you know, type of evolution based on externalities. Could you elaborate more on this? So Honda's approach to leveraging uh, outside innovation and uh, venturing has evolved and changed over time. Um, these changes are mainly influenced by what's happening externally uh, in the venture ecosystem, as well as uh, things inside of the company. So we initially began uh, as a small corporate venture capital unit uh, and eventually pivoted to what is today Honda Innovations, uh, a freestanding independent company uh, that is a spear tip uh, of innovation and venturing for Honda globally. Um, but again, we're today at, at an inflection point in this journey. Uh, and to uh, describe this, perhaps it's best that I step back and share context as to, to why uh, we're at that point. Um, so basically we've been kind of in the golden age of mobility uh, over the last seven to 10 years where um, billions of dollars of, an, of VC investment have gone into uh, hundreds, if not thousands of early stage mobility startups and essentially uh, case technologies and, and, and case businesses. And what I mean by case is connectivity, uh, autonomy, shared and electric uh, related technologies and businesses. Um, so this space is now really maturing as uh, large partnerships begin to form around some of these uh, startups that are the perceived winners. Um, and Big companies and startups together are trying to now realize the benefits of case in the transportation sector. So we can actually see this if we look at the funding data. Um, if you use a, a pitch book or a crunch base or something and you take a look at the number of early stage mobility startup deals, it's actually decreased uh, over the last couple of years. But conversely, larger amounts of capital are going into less but more mature companies. And this is what I mentioned, the perceived winners. Uh, and many of these startups have large corporate partners. So uh, Honda's investment alongside of, of GM, General Motors in cruise automation in the robo-taxi domain specifically is a great example of this. Um, this is not to be said there aren't problems that still exist uh, in automotive and transportation and realizing this vision that we've all had uh, over the last uh, 10 years and we're, we're, we're now realizing. Um, there's certainly room for early stage startups to come in and do things in electrification uh, and sharing in, in autonomy. Um, however, for Honda Innovations as the spear tip of innovation, we're beginning to shift our thinking, shifting from thinking just about kind of and focusing on all of this activity in automotive uh, and mobility and thinking about the next big things that can impact our business. And this includes uh, areas within mobility, uh, as well as looking beyond at broader areas like energy, climate, uh, and even other areas adjacent to our business that may not be so obvious. So Dennis, uh, case is uh, no longer than the next big thing today um, uh, when it comes to maturing as a category. So how do you view the state of mobility um, as of today? Sure, so um, I'm glad you asked this question because we've actually put a lot of, of thought into this. <clears throat> and in doing so, um, we've kind of created our own internal framework based on our experience uh, for mapping out what I'll call the uh, operational domain 
for the next generation of uh, startups to contribute to transforming mobility. Um, and our framework defines the attributes of these startups um, as seamless, tangential, enabling, and profitable. And if we use the, the, the first letters of each of these four words, um, we, we can come up with the acronym of STEP. And we basically just juxtapose this acronym of STEP with CASE. So as an acronym, STEP pays homage to the, to the Gardner hype cycle. I'm sure that many of your listeners are familiar with this. Uh, and the STEP-like movement that is required to advance technologies from one part of the curve of the hype cycle, the trough of dissolution in this case, to the slope of enlightenment to actually get them to mass adoption um, in, in terms of, of, of customers and, and, and profitability and products. Um, so I'll, I'll spare you the deep dive uh, description of, of STEP. Uh, maybe we can provide in the, in the show notes, if you have them, a link uh, to an article that we wrote um, about uh, STEP specifically in, uh, in automotive news and describing this concept. I'd love to, to pick out the two specific examples uh, and attributes uh, to highlight this a little bit better, if you don't mind. Sure, please uh, tell us more. So the, the first uh, attribute that we've identified is what we call seamless. And this is really about uh, a, a new set of startups that are emerging, that are abstracting away actions and effort to satisfy our insatiable desire for kind of ever fast, uh, faster and ever uh, more convenient everything. Um, and this is really about our expectations for service in the digital world as a consumer are actually spilling over to the physical world. Um, and so seamless is this concept, how can startups take advantage of that happening? And I'll give you an example, right? So we're all in COVID sitting behind our computers for hours a day working, and we're extremely impatient if it takes us, you know, more than a second to load a web page, right? So, so the, the level of standard of service from a digital uh, perspective is very high. And this is spilling now over into our expectations uh, for things in the physical domain. And one example of this is uh, instant, instant delivery startups. So over the last six months, we've seen literally billions of dollars going into a new category of delivery companies that are doing instant delivery, that are basically vertically integrating themselves and placing um, small dark stores within a mile or two miles of customers in urban areas to be able to get those customers products in less than 15 minutes. Um, and that, that's an example of, again, this, this trend that we're seeing. Um, and it leverages specifically uh, logistics and uh, mobility uh, and kind of transportation to be able to bring this digital world experience into the physical world. Uh, another uh, attribute that we're seeing in uh, startups in kind of this in, in new, mo new mobility, if you will, is uh, something we call tangential. And tangential is basically that, uh, you know, the second order effects of case. So startups are creating new products and services that essentially ride the ripple effects uh, of, of case technologies um, into other sectors. So for example, real estate, infrastructure, uh, and even kind of other forms of transportation like marine and aviation, which are two areas of Honda's interest. Uh, so here, the, the rise of vertical takeoff and landing startups 
and even electric propulsion uh, for aviation. There are a bunch of now startups emerging in that domain are great examples of the kind of principle of tangential, uh, tangentiality rather happening uh, and creating a new set of startups uh, in mobility. And this again is, is primarily uh, in the case of uh, eVTOL, uh, they're leveraging innovation and, and, and money flows that are going in to batteries uh, and motors, primarily for four wheel vehicles or for robotics, but essentially putting those into uh, you know, an aviation form factor. Dennis, like you had mentioned, there's so many startups emerging in their respective domains today. Where do you see the new opportunities for startups to diversify and create that value add uh, in automation? Yeah, so um, automation is an area that we look at um, a lot, not only from uh, the standpoint of our, our vehicles and, and mobility as a service and ultimately delivering uh, an automated vehicle and a personal car form factor to a customer, which is still many years uh, away. Um, but we also look at automation from the perspective of our, of our factories. Uh, and obviously um, there's a lot of need to improve efficiency uh, for us as a automaker, one of our core competencies is our manufacturing prowess. And so there's lots of air, air opportunity uh, for startups to leverage automation and do things specifically on the assembly line. Um, now, you know, a lot of the other aspects of automotive manufacturing are, are, manufa are already automated uh, significantly, uh, but there are areas of the assembly line where uh, automation is now possible uh, due to certain advancements uh, in technology. Um, also, we look at uh, automation in the context of logistics. Uh, so Honda is very interested in uh, robotics and leveraging our robotics prowess uh, and possibly uh, acquiring companies in a startup domain that have um, complementary or synergistic technologies to us. Um, but we're looking at, let's say, for example, the delivery space. Uh, we have a, a pilot project uh, taking place in Japan where we're doing uh, delivery uh, with small uh, robots on campus, uh, Japanese campus to uh, the student population. So that's an area that we look at quite deeply. Um, also, I mentioned marine, um, automation in marine, like thinking about, again, this to touch back on tangential, how uh, automation and some of the things that are happening on road, how that can spill over into other areas of our business. Uh, we're increasingly interested in looking at um, automation for marine. So we sell uh, you know, engines for uh, boats and there's a certain segment of our recreational uh, boating population that are interested in having features for their boats to automatically, for example, dock their boat in a, in a tough situation and that type of thing. Uh, so those are areas of, of technology that we look at as well. So previously, Honda Innovations had a small footprint in Southeast Asia. And recently, you guys have gotten back into the region, uh, making a few venture investments. What are some interesting trends and opportunities that you are seeing when it comes to startups and venture in the region? Yeah, so first of all, you know, Southeast Asia is a huge market and Honda has a leadership position in the motorcycle space uh, in this region in countries like India and Malaysia. And obviously with a huge growing middle class, it's, it's a very interesting uh, market uh, 
for us. Um, so as the innovation arm of Honda, we're very much interested in what's happening there. And as a matter of fact, we recently made uh, an investment, an LP investment in a uh, venture firm, uh, Real Tech Ventures, that's investing in kind of deep tech startups applying their technologies uh, to uh, markets in Southeast Asia. So they've kind of become our eyes and ears on the ground for what's happening uh, there. Um, but there's a few things that we find really interesting. Um, and some of them are driven by um, startups. One of which is um, the uh, swappable battery uh, space has really kind of uh, kicked off. And um, obviously the, the, the kind of leader in this domain today uh, is a startup that will soon be public, but uh, Gogoro, uh, which of course started in Taiwan. But we're seeing lots of uh, other um, companies in other regions uh, begin to uh, create businesses around swappable batteries and energy for uh, both two-wheel and three-wheel vehicles in Asia. And of course, this is our bread and butter. So we're watching this very, very closely. Uh, and we've actually developed technologies. We have our own swappable battery technology um, that we're planning to bring to these regions. And we have some pilot projects and things in place as well. So we're obviously look, looking for partnerships um, and startups that can help accelerate uh, our activities in this domain. Um, obviously, mobility as a service is uh, significant. Going back quite a few years, we, we did make a small investment in Grab, and we have a variety of relationships with the large uh, mobility as a service players there. Um, energy as a category, energy, water, some of these other areas um, are also of interest to us, and we're looking uh, at those deeply in the context of, of Southeast Asia and thinking through, are there opportunities that um, for uh, kind of to leapfrog, right? So when we think about um, the smartphone and how that uh, essentially enabled uh, some po populations there to uh, leapfrog beyond uh, the mobile phone. Like what's the equivalent of that in a transportation or energy or some of the other sectors uh, that we're in uh, or that we're interested in? Uh, those are areas that we're poking around in as well. So Honda's motto is the power of dreams. What are the next steps for the innovation team? Are there any new areas that you are exploring, uh, perhaps returning to a potential full-fledged CVC? So uh, the power of dreams is a philosophy that's rooted in Honda's entrepreneurial uh, spirit as a company. And being entrepreneurial really means evolving. And over time, as the spear tip of innovation for Honda, we've evolved in terms of how we operate and what we focus on. So I mentioned earlier that we're looking, we're increasingly looking outside of our core areas of business into adjacencies, areas like aviation and marine and robotics. Um, we're also, uh, as a company, we've set uh, this year some very bold targets in terms of electrification and carbon neutrality. So Honda is the largest manufacturer of internal combustion engines in the world. Uh, and we basically this year came out and said that by 2040, we're going to phase everything out and it will be electric or a fuel cell based. And these are bold targets that we need help with as a company. We have our own core competencies. Uh, but we need to leverage the uh, expertise and innovation of outside innovators and startups can help us here. Uh, so we're putting a lot of effort into looking at uh, climate tech, electrification, uh, and things that can help us uh, hit some of these bold uh, targets that we have uh, around carbon neutrality. 
Uh, today, we don't have a dedicated uh, CVC fund. Everything that we have done is off balance sheet. Uh, and of course, we do lots of, of non-dilutive collaborations with startups. And that hasn't stopped us from making important investments uh, and, and you know, seizing opportunity. Um, that being said, the industry is changing quickly and we're considering new models that can give us uh, added flexibility and capabilities to partner with the bold and brightest, the boldest and brightest innovators. At some point, we may decide to return to a more traditional uh, CVC fund structure, uh, but we'll see how uh, things go over the course of the next uh, year or two. Dennis, to wrap up our call with our last and final question uh, for the day, what piece of advice would you give to people out there from the journey you have had so far in life? Yeah, so two pieces of advice I can think of. Um, the first is to, you know, follow your passion and interests uh, and look for opportunities to connect personal interest and intellectual curiosity with ways that you can skill up professionally or uncover new professional opportunities. So I was always passionate about cars and mobility as a kid. I knew that at some point uh, that would intersect with my career. Um, and my hobbies and intellectual interests brought me to Japan in my 20s. And I've been able to leverage that experience and skill set that I obtained there uh, to work for one of the world's largest uh, car companies in this incredible time in which we live in, in mobility and transportation. Um, the second uh, piece of advice would be that it's, it's a destination uh, and it's about the road that gets you there uh, on the journey and to have fun and enjoy yourself and, and treat people well. Uh, and all that will come back uh, to you and your business partnerships uh, and everything that you do. Um, and so I really believe in uh, you know, serendipity uh, and uh, you know, making sure throughout um, business that we treat uh, our business partners and customers and stakeholders with respect um, and uh, do good things. And Dennis, for individuals who want to maybe share a deal flow with you or potentially catch a cup of coffee with you, what would be uh, the best point of contact? Sure. So uh, we have a website. First of all, I'm a big, big fan of coffee and grabbing coffee uh, wherever uh, I may be in the world uh, with, with uh, entrepreneurs or um, ambitious uh, venture capitalists or other people in the ecosystem. So feel free to reach out. Uh, the best way to reach us is our website. We have a website that has uh, our team listed and links to our uh, LinkedIn and a general email address to get in touch with us. So by all means, if, if uh, you're an entrepreneur or an investor that are investing in the domains that I mentioned and interested in connecting, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Dennis, it was a pleasure having you on Geeks of the Valley and thank you so much for joining us. Likewise, thank you.